Hello and welcome to the Instec London podcast. This is Matthew Grant, one of the partners at Instec London. And for those of you that don't know us, Instec London is the largest community in London bringing together people with an interest in innovation in insurance. And we have regular meetings of people from insurers, startups, technology companies, investors, professional services, and all those in between. Uh, this week, we ran a claims event, and you'll shortly be hearing from some of the speakers we had on the evening. But before that, a, uh, a word from uh, Robin and myself. So Robin, we're about to hear the uh, highlights of our claims event this week. Uh, Another great attendance. What were the highlights of the event for you? Well, I, I think it's a feature of, a, of, the, of our times that you can get more than 200 people to a claims event on a Tuesday night. Um, the big things from my point of view, it was great to have Shift there, uh, having raised 60 million euros um, and announced it earlier that day, particularly as they've been friends of ours now since late 2017. And I like Paul Stanley. I think the points he makes about how difficult it is to disrupt claims uh, was a point well made on a, on a day when uh, we were listening to so many people who are trying so hard. Um, how about you? What do you feel? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the surprising thing about claims is, in one sense, this is an area where the market can actually save a lot of money if it gets it right. You know, dollars saved in claims or a pound saved in claims goes straight to the bottom line. We hear a lot about claims in motor and personal lines, but still not hearing very much about the commercial specialty space. So we're starting to see a bit more of that. But you know, I particularly like Provisco, where they have the ability to monitor flood risk. And a lot of people look at river flood or coastal storm surge flooding, but far fewer of them look at the kind of floods you get off plane. And what they're able to do is to provide alerts to people that a flood is coming and sort of help them take some actions to get their possessions out of the way of the flood. So I think they've got some real potential in there. I think if we had this thing in one year's time, we would have a whole bunch of people doing parametric claims payments. And, and when you hear Shift talking about how they've got completely automated claims processing these days, one does get a sense that that part of the business is going to be fundamentally changed within a year or, or two. But then I've been saying that kind of stuff for years now, and no one's taken any notice. But, but I really do believe that. Yeah, you and I tend to be ahead of the trend, but at some point the trend will catch up. But on the parametrics, it's definitely a strong theme there for an event later in the year. A lot of, uh, a lot of applications now coming out from Parametric. Uh, so you're now putting together the event for the 2nd of April for uh, MGAs. How are we getting on with speakers for that? Yeah, no, so we're going back to the front end and, and distribution. Um, there's a lot of good new MGAs doing some really interesting stuff. So we'll be looking uh, at new products. But, but most particularly, this is about stories, how people bought their MGAs to market, who they used, who built the technology, how they got their capacity, um, you know, it's mostly about uh, how MGAs are, are being taken from idea to uh, trading uh, and, and who, who's doing those things in a, in a new and exciting way. Yeah, and I mean, what's intriguing about MGAs, it's an opportunity for organisations that have traditionally been outside of the insurance space to actually use their clients and their distribution networks to get into the insurance space. So we are starting to see more in that space. I think we're going to see a lot more happening in the next year. Good. Well, let's uh, transition now to the highlights of the event from last week and uh, hear from our speakers. Let me introduce you to Paul Stanley. Uh, he's the CEO and founder of uh, 360 Global Net, who are very much a leader in the claims uh, technology space. He's a serial entrepreneur, um, been in insurance all his life. This is not a pitch I'm going to ask 
Paul a series of questions around what it's like, you know, to be in the insure tech claims space, trying to digitize a world that um, is difficult to digitize. Just to get a perspective from Paul on um, his journey, uh, both as an individual and with 360. Um, so, Paul, starting off, how on earth did you end up as a claims innovator? It's not something people choose to do, surely. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. I'm a, I'm a fairly ordinary person. Um, I described myself as a simpleton in a, in a post the other day. Uh, but I always say in insurance, you only have to be slightly um, better, slightly smarter than the average bear to succeed. And there are plenty of average bears out there, um, slow average bears. Uh, very quickly, how I got into doing what I'm doing now was thanks to Royal Insurance, who gave me every job under the sun in claims and some beyond, uh, got me working with BCG and McKinsey and the inevitable operational improvement programs they run when they're about to go bust. Uh, then to Direct Line, fantastic experience at Direct Line with Peter Wood, and uh, they let me do um, more or less what I liked, um, which was ultimately my downfall. Uh, then, uh, when they got too big bureaucratic, got 1.4 million, started the first of five businesses. But I tell you, this one is by far the most difficult. It's got the biggest potential, but it's just felt like just pushing a huge boulder up the hill. A $35 million boulder, as it turns out. Thank you. So, so tell the people what 360 does and why you think it's been successful in a space that's so difficult to break through in. Yeah, what we've done is uh, it took us a couple of years to actually um, work out what we were going to do. And uh, we always had the ambition, well, after two years, 24 months, to completely transform the claims experience, uh, worked in claims a long, long while, and I still can't believe how naff it is for customers. So, and, and I've had the claim from hell, actually, as well, so I can tell you about that. But it was, um, what we do is a complete digital process for any claim of any complexity in any geography, we're worldwide. Uh, we, the big thing that we do is hand the power back to business people from IT. So we give you a platform with all the digital tools in it, the ability to use video, imagery, self-service for everybody, uh, capacity management of suppliers, manage all your outsources, link everybody together around one single digital record. And it's entirely self-configurable at the desktop by business users, which is massive. So we say to, um, to our... Well, is it? <laughs> well, we say to, to customers that we, give, we hand the power back to business. So you don't need IT anymore. So the only thing we need IT departments for is to plug, them, plug the client into the internet. And we, we, do every, we do everything else. So it's been a labor of love. Some fantastic people we've got. Um, and it's just been incredibly hard. Lots of money. Incredible amounts of patience required. But we're just starting to see the market turn significantly uh, over the last 12 months. So, so why is innovation in claims more difficult? I mean, all the money seems to me to be going into product design, distribution uh, channels, uh, you know, data improvements. Why, when it's such an important part of the process, 
why, why lessen claims and why is claims therefore become so difficult? I think my mantra is you've really got to understand claims in order to change it. It's, there are so many things. When I first walked into a claims department when I was 18 and I saw people there dealing with a glass breakage to a multi-million pound fire, whatever it was, how on earth can these people do that? They must have brains the size of planets. And you realise that, that actually they're just going by rote, that there is not a lot of, of original thought there. There's lots of people just content just to do a job, go home. Fair enough, but I don't know. I guess most of you would be like me. I'm not really interested in doing anything unless I can be the best at it and the best I can be. What the hell are we doing here if we're not trying to do that? So I think it's, it's around the fact that you need to um, really understand it to change it. So we've got, we start, we're not a technology company. We're, insure, we're made up of insurance people. And just by some uh, couple of lucky breaks, we've actually, uh, well... Sometimes you have to go with your gut instinct and make a decision. So I bought an Australian startup company in 2012, pre-revenue, um, but I bought it for the guy that ran it, the chief architect, and he is something else. Um, it's not the easiest to manage, but he's, <laughs> he's pretty fantastic. And, and one of the reasons that we do what we do is because we onshore all the development, everybody's employed by the company, it's all onshore, very close relationship with developers and we're basically insurance people uh, that have got some really clever technologists. But you need to understand that anybody that, that thinks they can make money in insurance perhaps will gravitate towards internet, distribution models, all that sort of thing. But if you're going to do anything in claims, you've really got to know what you're doing before you start else you'll fail. I don't want to impugn any of our startup friends, but is, is that why startups have not made the same impact in claims as they have perhaps in the front end of the business and around the data space? Well, um, I think that in claims, you, you, I see quite a lot of individual applications, but you've got legacy technology Anything you can buy today is legacy. It's either 10 to 15 years old or even 25 to 40 years old. How are you going to put your innovative piece of decisioning software, machine learning, into Guidewire or Duck Creek or SAP, whatever, that's going to cost the insurer an absolute fortune? It's going to address a little part of the process. It's not going to change the world. It's going to, you're going to go on a journey as a customer where it's bad, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. Oh, automated decision or something like that. It's great, I've got an instant response bad into BAU. So, again, from experience, I wanted the complete platform. I wanted everything included. Um, not, and I knew it, was, it takes a lot of doing, but actually it's the only way to do it by having all of these digital tools embedded within a self-configurable platform. That's really transformational. And that's why, at last, uh, you need lots of patience and lots of money. But, you know, we've, got, we've now got global carriers with the technology, uh, six of the top 12 motor insurers in the UK, half a dozen US carriers and stuff like that. So we can see it turning, but, God, it's been stressful. <laughs> so, so, so 
Uh, that sounds like we, we, I mean, I've been saying we're at the tipping point for about 15 years without being right once, but uh, how does the future, are we really at the edge of a sort of transformation the way claims played? What, what's the, what, how does the relationship between insurers and innovators play out from here over the next couple of years? Yeah, that's, that's interesting. There's a, lot, there's a lot invested in legacy technology, but it just doesn't do what you want it to do. And if you attempt to make it do what you want it to do, it's going to be costly, it's going to be compromised. You really want to start with a clean sheet. And there's not many people that can give you a complete clean sheet platform, which is the problem. Um, it, it's, it's, it's difficult. If you... I, I actually feel for those people that have actually may have a good idea or may have a nice bit of technology, but they must find it terribly difficult trying to penetrate you know, insurers with their legacy technology. I'll tell you a little story that, that probably sums this all up. So, uh, for a global insurer, in, we got the support of Global Procurement, the Global Claims Manager, and in summer 2017, they said... We're going to mandate your platform worldwide so nobody can do anything unless they use your platform. If they want to do something different, they've got to make their case to the board. Oh, so we thought, great, yeah, I'm going to retire now next week. Uh, but what happened was the ground we were taking was immediately retaken by a massive IT department, a spend of £3 billion on, on IT. And, they, and we made them irrelevant. We were making them irrelevant for claims. We only needed to plug in the internet. And so they retook it. Oh, we can do that. We can do that. So two years on, there's not a sniff of what they're doing. So you get involved in power play politics at this level. And uh, that's not easy either. But you just got to keep working away, believing what you're doing. But I, I would say it's very difficult for anybody out there who's got individual applications uh, because of the difficulty of making them work against the background of legacy technology. And there's such a lot of money invested in the status quo as well, and complexity. Uh, the big news is it's not complex. It's, it, you can simplify it all, a bit like a duck. We do all the paddling under the water. And the world has changed. It has absolutely changed in the last three years. What was only a dream now is day-to-day -day reality. And, um, uh, you know, you face with people who think it's far more complex than it is, and they don't believe you. Um, uh, but they do when they, when they get involved with it. Paul, thank you. We've run out of time. Paul Stanley, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Thank you. Now, we've just told you that it's really difficult for startups to break into the claims world. So next up we have Shift, who today raised $60 million, uh, which suggests that they have broken into the claims world. Uh, no one else in the claims space is raising that kind of cash. I'll let you guys introduce yourselves, but what we really want to know is how do you make yourself worth $60 million and how are you going to spend it? Well, <laughs> interesting, and uh, thanks for putting us on the spot, but... Actually, um, I'm going to start with what are we going to spend it on. So uh, last night we celebrated by, uh, in Suratech fashion, by going to an all-you-can-eat um, Chinese buffet. So that was that was the start of where we went with our with our cash. But actually, really, um, 
for us, the story started, like in all good stories really, was about really being in the right place at the right time. So we have three founders. We're all 28, 29 uh, and 29. And they were working for AXA Insurance in Paris as, a, uh, as interns. And, and their job really was to find a global fraud solution that met the needs of all uh, the global customers for AXA. So this in itself was a, was a task. And um, I, I think about eight months in, uh, there was nothing actually out there that, that met the complex needs of uh, an insurer of today to be able to industrialize a process that is very manual. So um, maybe this was just part of their plan, actually, because uh, the next step really was that the AXA board in, in Paris were uh, very uh, trustworthy and, and confident that, that these three founders could actually go out and produce a working AI that could industrialize, industrialize fraud detection uh, within insurance. So um, it took us about eight months to create a solution that could work across uh, several lines of business. Um, we started with uh, 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 actually a head start, really, because uh, as part of the, the findings, we, we knew exactly what an insurance company needed to be able to progress in this area. And I suppose fast-forwarding on from then, from uh, Converse and skinny jeans, today we wear suits and shirts and and our insurer clients wear skinny jeans and converse so it's it's interesting how things have changed so um and, and i think you know like like everyone has said it's, it is a difficult market to kind of break and uh, and, and very frustrating actually at times because we see an end to what we want to do but to get to those steps we 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 really have to jump through some hoops to get there so um Today, today we uh, have progressed. We, we we raised our Series C yesterday. Uh, we have a we have a new VC, uh, Bessemer, that has entrusted in us to invest 60 million. And I suppose answering the question about where do we spend that money, um, we spend that money on people. So today we started originally we started with four people, and today we have 215 people. So uh, shifts. Yeah, from a customer perspective, really, is about saying that Shift, uh, while other people have a car, Shift have a, a car and a driver, and we call ourselves a SaaS Plus solution. So um, we supply a data scientist along with all of our clients. So of your 200, how many are data scientists? So uh, today uh, we, have 200 and, uh, we have 215 people, and 110 of those people are data scientists. Um, and... With all kind of startups, really, we're judged basically not on the profit we make, but actually on the scale that we do. So we're almost this kind of false economy of, of a business that's not really judged on profit, but judged on scaling. So um, this year, our objective is to be at 400 people by the end of the year. And um, so it's my responsibility as a director and Thomas's uh, responsibility to make sure that we bring more people to shift. Um, and this is particularly difficult for us as much as creating the technology, so... And what's in the product set? Are you just sticking to claims fraud, or are you going to, you know, the breakout from there? Okay, so in terms of uh, fraud, really, is the first step of automation for us. So it's about industrialising a process that's very manual. So um, the epitome of that moment, really, was for Jeremy, our CEO. Um, his first ever insurance claim was a flood in his flat in Paris. And it was a complete nightmare. I, I mean, I won't give you the French terminology, but it's, it's probably not polite either. So it's, um, 
So someone at that age trying to log a claim is almost impossible. It's, uh, so it's an area that we decided to work in, and actually, just by chance, again, it was um, really, we believe, getting your house in order to make sure you have a stringent fraud process in place is really the first step of automation. So uh, fraud isn't really considered that by people, but really, it is a process for us. Um, and considering, actually, that 10% of people, 10, between 10 and 20%, let's say, are committing fraud, 80% uh, of people are not committing fraud. So for us, it's really also about how do we reward people, and certainly here in the UK market where the aggregator sites are, are making us wanting to change our insurance company on a yearly basis because of price competitiveness. So how do we differentiate ourselves as an insurer to be able to, to keep our customers? So um, we want to look after the 80% of people. We want to say that if you're doing the right thing, how do we straight through process uh, your claim to be able to pay you in real time? So Shift provide a cleanliness score on a claim that allows people to process that claim in real time to be able to pay customers. This works particularly well in, in, in claims like travel. And this is really our first step towards uh, moving out of force, which is our fraud detection solution, and moving into Luke. And Luke is our claim automation solution. So um, you're probably working out that we are a huge Star Wars fans and... Uh, um, Stardust is the name of the program, so it's, uh, I think we're going to, we talked about this last night, I think we're going to run out of names eventually, so. Um, and, uh, uh, sorry, Jeff, um, I, uh, I just um, answered another part of the uh, original question, he's Jeff, I'm Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, um, and um, since he mentioned Luke, um, Luke is all about our, our solution for claims automation. And um, it's kind of the logical next step following to the fraud detection, which is all about, um, well, uh, centering, uh, revolving around text recognition. And text recognition, as we all know, um, dominates insurance still, uh, and uh, the claims process in particular. Of course, there's image rec recognition to it as well, but for us, um, the uh, expansion uh, following to fraud detection is really to look at the complete process of, uh, of claims um, from the first notice of loss through text recognition, then um, having an actual AI in place that um, not only uh, extracts the content, but also autonomously um, can decide when it doesn't really recognize enough, um, accurately enough, what's in this particular case. And so hands on, hands over to, a, to a, um, a human claim handler. And that is where, again, some of our experience comes in from, from the fraud detection part, which is all about enabling uh, investigators um, to hand over as efficiently and effectively to a, claim, a human claim handler um, so he can really take the next steps as effectively as possible. Um, and um, the Luke claims automation is of course again not 100% claims automation that will um, um, make us all uh, useless, but uh, in fact um, takes on the routine work 
that it can detect and identify, um, and everything else where um, it on its own uh, understands that its accuracy wouldn't reach the 99% that we're aiming for, it passes it on to a human claim handler, and thereby allowing um, insurers to clearly separate um, which part of the process is handled uh, uh, automatically or still um, by a human claim handler. And, and it, I mean, Luke was designed specifically this way, so as far as we know, it's the only AI that is, has the ability to say, I don't know. And this is uh, not a fault, it's actually designed in this way. So for Shift, we must be at least 99% accurate in our confidence level that we're making the right decisions. So what we would say is that currently the, the numbers look like 60% of claims are 99% accurate. Uh, the other 40 are in learning, and we're continuing to do that. But actually, we probably say that between 10 and 20% of the claims are actually reported digitally currently anyway. So it's a learning process for us. Guys, thank you. Jeff and Thomas, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Next up, we've got um, Avi Barak from Privisico. Come and tell us what's going on. Hello. Thank you very much. It's uh, very challenging to follow someone who's just announced they've raised 60 million, so I'll, I'll try my best to not be upstaged. Um, so I think the, the question that a lot more people, especially in the flood industry, are asking themselves more and more now in 2019 is what would you do if you knew exactly what streets would flood right before a storm event actually hits? I know, from my perspective, the first thing I would do is I would move my car, I would go home and move my TV and get my family out of there. And I think this is something that we should all be thinking about because that's where the technology is certainly heading. Um, so, as, as they mentioned, I'm Avi, I'm the Chief Operating Officer of Previsico. We're a spin-out company from Loughborough University who have uh, taken our solution, uh, which is called FloodMap Live, to market. We just launched uh, this year in January, um, but the project has been ongoing for about 17 years, working on uh, using a flood modeling system to predict exactly what streets will flood and in real time. So globally, the flooding costs the global economy 90 billion a year. And that's rising very significantly and is expected to be at least a trillion by 2050. And those are, in my opinion, very conservative estimates because they don't include many of the other sorts of impacts that we see from flooding. And my imagery when I see flooding, especially on the, the TV, is just cars bobbing up and down the streets, people looking devastated and showing us their homes which are full of damages. And all of these, most of the vast majority of these are avoidable. I was in Carlisle after the Storm Desmond floods in uh, 2015, and all you could see across all the streets were skips full of TVs, full of furniture, full of treasured belongings, and sentimental items. Um, in my opinion, none of them should have been in the skip. They should have all been protected and avoided. And I think that's part of the problem with what we've gotten used to, especially in, when it comes to flooding, is is not having the right sort of uh, insight to be able to take actionable decisions to reduce our risk. Currently, I mean, that's why there's so much work going into flood forecasting and some really good schemes in place, such as the European Flood Warning System, 
have generated returns of investment for of 400 euros for every euro that was invested in it. Um, the challenge with especially these sorts of systems is they're often for rivers in the sea where you can be able to detect how the levels are changing and then run based on a few pre-run scenarios, be able to tell people roughly which areas are going to be affected. I have flood alerts on my phone and they're always buzzing. I can be on top of a hill on a sunny day and I'll still get an alert saying you're at risk. And that's part of the problem, that we just get so many false alarms. And that, at least from talking to people in Carlisle, that's the sort of issue that they were having. Um, that, uh, the sur issue for surface water is even worse. So in surface water, we don't get any high-resolution impacts. We just get a national assessment. Because surface water can be very difficult to predict, uh, and our hourly changes in rainfall predictions can massively affect the types of streets that are going to be affected by flooding. So what we did at Loughborough University was we produced a system which takes combinations of different weather scenarios and continuously models them in real time to produce a map showing exactly which streets are at risk and when. To produce a sort of actionable insight, the worst case scenario and the best case scenario. And that was done together with the cabin office to help emergency responders be able to tackle flooding. And that's, that project was very successful, so we got Innovate UK funding to form the spin-out. And the insurance claims industry is a very good place to then take that to market. We've been talking to a few insurers, and I think there's been a lot of interest, uh, particularly in helping in the claim side. So I think one particular area, as well as knowing which areas are going to be affected so we know where to send loss adjusters, is warning customers. I think that's where, prior to a flood, being an experience and the claim actually happening, it's really important to tell the customer, your street is at risk at 3 p.m. today. Please do as much as you can to reduce that risk. And I think that could radically change the sort of relationship insurers have with their customers. And it's sort of the relationship that I really think should have happened a long time ago and is certainly possible now with the latest technological innovations. So that's really where I hope that we all go. If we look at, for example, Storm Desmond, it cost the UK insurance industry 1.3 billion. So if in my case, I would have probably saved up at least 10% of those costs by acting in advance, that could have saved at least 130 million. I'd say that's quite conservative. So I certainly think that this solution can have a lot of impact for the claims industry. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Well, I hope you found that useful. If you'd like to learn a little bit more about what we had going on for our claims event, you can find out some more information on our website at www.instet.london and you'll find the event-specific page there. Uh, we'll see some of the presenters for the night and also photographs for what we're going on. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about what we've got coming up, you'll also find that on the website. And indeed, if you yourself would like to present what you're doing, then please register through the website or contact us at hello at instec.london.